This is the Positive Psychology Podcast, episode 86. Welcome to the Positive Psychology Podcast, bringing your earbuds the science of the good life. And now your host, Kristen Trumpy. Hey, today we are welcoming Doug Behrendt. He's a loyal listener of the Positive Psychology Podcast, and we will talk about depression, suicide, and how to deal with it, how to get out of it. Welcome, Doug. Thank you, Kristen. I can't tell you how much I enjoy your podcast, uh, and I would like to compliment you on your previous podcast in which you addressed the uh, election in, in the States and, and how you uh, uh, were um, very graceful in, in explaining uh, how we should approach it, and I found that to be very uh, beneficial, and I thought you brought a great service to uh, your listeners in terms of how to uh, put it in perspective, so I, I compliment you on that. Thank you. Thank you, Doug. Thanks very much. So can you introduce yourself? Well, I am a um, former pharmaceutical representative. I spent my career um, basically uh, working with physicians and uh, promoting uh, a wide array of products, uh, including products for uh, psychiatry. And uh, my uh, purpose here, though, is um, I personally have been – how can I say, a person that has struggled with depression, uh, got to the point where it was uh, bad enough to where I um, had uh, decided to commit suicide and um, as a result ended up uh, in a hospital and spent two weeks uh, in a uh, mental health facility uh, getting treatment. And um, it basically culminated in a complete shutdown and crash for me. Uh, and it was that point where I decided to um, um, start rebuilding and trying to find a way out of this uh, depressive cycle uh, that I uh, was in. Up until two weeks ago, I was still in the pharmaceutical industry, and I am uh, uh, now full-time concentrating on uh, helping people uh, with depression, and uh, which is why I, I wrote the book. Congratulations on that. I wasn't aware of it that you had quit. So congratulations on that. So um, thank you. What happened? When did you notice that? Do you remember the moment when you noticed that something is wrong and that it was not just, you know, a few bad days, but that something serious was going on? Well, that's a great uh, question from the standpoint of um, when I knew I had a problem, uh, was years, uh, it, it was kind of mid in my career, so to speak. Uh, but really, when I think back about my childhood, and it, it tended, depression tended to run throughout our family. In fact, everybody in our family, to some extent, would have uh, some type of uh, depression. So there is a, uh, a uh, heredity uh, portion involved here. But uh, about midway through my career, I would be, uh, let's say, getting ready for work, and I would go into these depressive episodes, start crying. Uh, got to the point where I asked uh, my physician, who was also a colleague that I worked with, 
uh, for help, and I was prescribed an antidepressant. Uh, I later found out that if you're bipolar, which I am, uh, that an antidepressant is, is not recommended generally because it exacerbates the highs and lows. Uh, uh, and so that contributes to this, uh, what I call the downward spiral that uh, people with depression frequently get in, and I did, and ultimately led to me uh, crashing. How did that, how did that feel? That downward spiral, what, what was happening inside of you? I don't really believe uh, initially that a lot of people, myself uh, in particular, realize that you're in a downward spiral until possibly it, it may be too late. Uh, and I say that because uh, in my case, I was uh, using uh, alcohol, caffeine. Uh, I was even using um, um, hydro- hydrocodone. Um, uh, which is a narcotic uh, uh, to to uh, to uh, using stimulants and and uh, alcohols, of course, a depressant to try and, and alter my mood. And the more you do this, the more it uh, pushes you uh, in this downward spiral, and it it kind of uh, gathers momentum. And uh, I think by the time you realize that you're in this cycle, it, it may be difficult to to uh, turn it around. But I do believe it is possible to turn it around. But I think initially, at least, I didn't realize that I was in the cycle. Did people around you help you realize that? My wife was uh, uh, very uh, astute and and identified some issues, and I chose to ignore them. And um, literally on one day, I was having lunch with my wife, and she said, you know, you don't look good. And I said, I, I don't feel good. I uh, ended up uh, within an hour of having lunch with her, uh, uh, went to the hospital and um, basically uh, was admitted to the uh, psychiatric, psychiatric ward and, and uh, spent two, two weeks there. I, I was out for almost two days uh, before um, uh, I mean, I was sleeping so long uh, as a result of the, the crash. Uh, but I, I, it, by the time I realized what had happened, it was too late. Right. So how did the treatment that you got at that hospital, did that, how was that for you? How did that work out for you? The treatment provided a, um, a way for me to give me the building blocks where I am today to uh, uh, put it all together and, and realize what it takes uh, to get out and, and the things, the events that contributed uh, to the downward spiral that I was in. And um, it got me out of uh, hot water. It got me off of the constant mindset of wanting to commit suicide. Uh, they gave me the uh, tools, the coping skills to uh, go day to day. Um, and um, uh, from that point forward, Kristen, I took the initiative to um, to seek out professionals um, that, that would be able to to help me and um, and also take the personal initiative. And, and this is the um, uh, premise of, of my book to uh, 
take the initiative yourself. Don't rely on on just uh, whoever, let's say it's a um, healthcare professional like a psychologist or psychiatrist. Um, you you have to personally take the initiative yourself uh, to to reverse that spiral and and get better. And and that's what I did. It took a long time uh, to get there. The purpose of of me being here today is to tell people uh, it doesn't take as much time uh, for them as it did for me because I made a lot of mistakes along the way, and my goal is to help people to avoid those mistakes and 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 shorten the the time cycle it takes to to get from being unhappy to happier. Okay, so what kind of coping? Sp- skills did they teach you and what coping skills did you pick up on the way i think the most valuable thing and it it is um when i first heard the term journaling i rolled my eyes and i said (laughs) you know this is just not for me and uh, i have since learned that journaling is is very valuable there is something that occurs Kristen, when you Think about something conceptually, and then the act of writing it down uh, cements it in your memory, and it helps with your resolve and your commitment. And um, it's part of the research for the book I came across. Um, um, it's called the Happiness Planner, and uh, it has been incredible in terms of uh, helping uh, me focus on, on positive change. Uh, it basically is a three-month cycle of of focusing on positivity uh, in reframing your mind. And so I, I think journaling is an exceptionally valuable uh, tool to help you uh, be aware of what's going on in your mind and, and what you want to accomplish in, in reinforcing that. So what would you say was the mixture between, you know, in terms of, I know that you use different tools to deal with all of this. So, so what would you say is like the ratio between like... Uh, you know, medicine and that kind of stuff and um, your own initiatives? Like, what do you think? Well, there is a a doctor uh, that goes by the name of Dr. Prozac. And um, uh, this uh, doctor basically believes that um, uh, antidepressants uh, are are effective in controlling uh, depression. And the research on depression shows that um, really antidepressants, you know, they do work uh, the, basically at best they work in about a third of the patients and uh, the efficacy long-term is questionable. Uh, the side effects of, of them um, sometimes contribute to um, aggravating patients' conditions, especially conditions of suicide. And so, um, I uh, believe that um, pharmacotherapy using an antidepressant is is um, and should be on board for people with depression. But at the same time, there are a lot of other things that uh, a person that has depression can do to um, uh, improve their their uh, dis- uh, uh, their their feelings of happiness, and uh, it basically revolves around sleep, diet, exercise, and adjuvants such as light therapy, uh, fish oil supplements. Um, but th- those four categories really encompass 
uh, what it takes to um, turn things around and break the cycle. Right. So you refer to them as the four planets. Do you want to get into those? Uh, the, the name of the book is Crash, Burn, Thrive. And, and, and it's based on what happened to me because that is what happened to me. I ended, definitely crashed and burned, and, uh, but the uh, result of it was, was getting out of it and thriving. And so uh, I refer to those four items as the cycle of thrive. So sleep, exercise, adjuvants, and, and diet. Um, and I break it down a little bit further, but uh, diet, for example, what you eat um, definitely has an effect on your mood. So I, I discuss uh, the importance of, of uh, fine-tuning your diet from where you're at to where you need to be. Um, sleep, you know, the seven to eight hours a day, um, there's no getting around that. That's important. Um, and it's not just getting the seven to eight hours. It's a matter of making sure that when you sleep, it's quiet, um, that you're uh, not uh, drinking caffeine too late in the day, so it affects your REM sleep. So it's the quality of sleep uh, that you get that's really important. Um, the better the sleep you have, the better off you're going to feel uh, the next day. Light therapy uh, and fish oil supplements uh, have both been clinically shown to um, improve your um, disposition, especially during the winter months. Uh, in terms of light therapy, but, you know, we need a certain amount of light per day and the lack of it will affect our mood. So I discuss uh, that. Um, alcohol and stimulants is a um, important area because of alcohol affecting sleep um, and as, as well as caffeine. And I, I personally, uh, in my case, uh, have decided to uh, cut or, you know, I, I don't drink any alcohol and avoid uh, caffeine, so my, my sleep is good. Um, exercise is critical uh, in terms of uh, generating endorphins. Uh, that's, you know, like free drugs to make you happy. So uh, whether it's walking every day for maybe 30 minutes or, or biking or running, um, you know, doing that consistently is a proven in fact, it's uh, clinically more uh, effective than, than um, taking any type of antidepressant uh, in terms of affecting your mood level. So um, I also um, am, uh, and I guess last and foremost, uh, habit is a huge thing, changing um, certain habits that we have that contribute to uh, negativity um, and, and replacing those with, with a good habit. Um, in exercises is an example. Uh, but the, the key difference here is that a habit uh, really doesn't require any energy uh, where willpower does. And so uh, an example of that would be when you go to work and if you're driving your car, uh, you know by habit how to get to work and you don't think about the route that you take. Um, Willpower, when you use willpower, willpower is a finite amount of, of energy. And, um, and, and if you rely on willpower to, to drive change in your life, eventually you're going to run out of willpower and, and you'll give up. So I am a proponent of developing proper habits uh, so you don't have to use willpower. Um, so hopefully that makes some sense.
Yeah. So would you be willing to talk us through, you know, a life, uh, a day in the life of Doug um, in terms of habits? Because I think it's important that people kind of see how they fit into it, um, because I'm sure you couldn't just stop doing everything you were doing. You kind of had to integrate these things into your life. So would you maybe, you know, give us a little bit of a summary of what you do and how you integrate it and maybe also the difference between what you did before and what you do now? In, in my case, I, after spending my whole career in um, the pharmaceutical industry, I, I realized uh, very late that I didn't enjoy being in the pharmaceutical industry. It was contrary to a lot of things that I, I believed in. I, and so I uh, was fortunate enough to, um, you know, I, I put in my time and uh, I basically just decided to um, um, change course and do something that would feed my soul. And, and that was to help people with uh, depression and, and, and try and be an advocate for them. And, um, some of the things that, uh, I'm doing include, you know, lobbying for, uh, improved mental care, uh, for, for, um, patients here in, in the States, um, because it's, uh, mental health is basically, basically, uh, being cut back as a benefit, um, both in managed care and by the government, and I'm 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 fighting uh, to uh, reverse that. So, I've been focusing my energy on on just trying to help uh, people that have depression. Um, I'm doing this full time now. So, right. But in terms of your habits, like in the morning, what do you do, oh. for example, to you know to your new healthy habits? How do they come into play in a practical sense? Sure. Exercise in the morning typically is better for most people. Now, I realize that everybody has different lifestyles, so the, the key is to, to find the best fit for you and your your, your uh, daily activities. But it's one of those things where uh, it's habit versus willpower again. Uh, exercise should be something that you ultimately just enjoy and you don't think about doing. You get up in the morning, you put your shoes on, and you go outside and take a walk. And it's 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 an automatic response, and that's one thing that I've done. So every morning, um, very early in the morning, I get up and you know I go out for a two-hour run, and um, I, I rain. I don't care. It, it's so important to me because of the benefits. So I do that. Uh, changed my diet in terms of uh, um, what I eat uh, during the week, especially. I'm very adamant about doing things like juicing. Uh, high protein, um, um, uh, fruit-based smoothie in the morning. Um, I'm, I'm a strong believer in, um, in terms of diet, uh, going um, along the lines of a vegetarian diet because I, th I think ultimately it is good for mood. Um, it's avoiding um, uh, caffeine, especially if I, I have a cup of tea. It, you know, after 12 o'clock. Um, no, no caffeine uh, at all uh, to help with uh, REM sleep. Um, a big thing is listening, for example, to your podcast. Uh, I highly recommend that people change uh, what goes into their mind. Um, for example, with the election cycle here in the States, there is a constant stream of, of negative uh, uh, advertising. I recommend tuning some of that out and, and replacing it with things like 
uh, your podcast and uh, reading um, good things. There's plenty of books that I've I've read on um, positive psychology um, podcasts that I listen to, uh, like the TED Talks. Um, just replace content with with good stuff that's going to enrich your mind. Uh, um, that has helped me uh, in terms of of replacing some of that negative stuff that's out there. Cut it out. Focus on the good. All right. So what do you think we can do? Most of these things are all very um, focused on the person. So what do you think we can do, you know, as a society maybe or as a group or within a relationship to create a more healthy environment for people and to kind of help people maybe avoid or at least not crash as hard as you have I think uh, uh, the the father of positive psychology, Dr. Martin Seligman, is uh, has said it better than um, anybody, and I guess that's why they call him the father of positive psychology. But um, uh, Dr. Seligman says that depression is a learned behavior, and um, he says that if de- uh, depressed people had learned. Uh, to feel helpless, uh, they can unlearn uh, to feel ha- helpless. And so uh, with that being said, that means that this is a situation that can be turned around, that we, we can uh, reverse that uh, s- uh, spiral. And uh, uh, since some of this uh, that causes depression is a learned response, Dr. Solomon is right. We can unlearn it. It's that simple. It's just a, a matter of uh, taking the first step and, and addressing, taking inventory of the things that you need to change and, and just uh, start uh, checking them off your list. It's, I, I, I feel it's that simple. It's not an easy thing to do, but it is definitely accomplishable. There, there is a certain chicken and egg problem here, I find, because the things that you say, you said it's simple as in there's no big secret. We've kind of laid it out even within this podcast what you can do. However, um, if you're feeling not only helpless, but also have zero energy, um, quite a few of these things, it takes energy even to change your diet. It, and of course, it takes energy to exercise. So how did you get around that problem? Well, it took a long time, and I, I, it took probably 15 years in my case, if you add it all up, to get there. But in talking to uh, the psychiatrist that uh, I, I see, and I still, um, um, in the, my last visit to my psychiatrist, uh, I was officially uh, given the uh, label of uh, no longer uh, clinically depressed. And um, so I've got a clean bill of health. I'm going to continue, however, to see my psychiatrist. Um, and and um, this is an ongoing process to, to stay healthy. Um, but it's something that can be done. Right. So how do you feel that this bigger purpose that you discovered in the process of this, namely to help other people with depression, um, how do you feel that influences your well-being because we talk now about these um, fairly individualistic things to do but then there's the whole question about purpose and all of that which also helps with well-being um, 
first in regards to your your previous question the i think the the point i would like to make is it, it sounds complex when you think about all the items that we discussed that affect your mood and behavior um it, it's there's there's a lot of items there but uh, to a person that is deeply clinically depressed and uh, has a great, uh, and I know I, I have been there, uh, just getting off the sofa can be a tremendous task initially. You feel like lead, you feel like you can't move. Uh, everything comes at a tremendous cost of energy. Uh, but, you know, you have to start somewhere. And one easy place that you can start is sleep. And when you're depressed, when I was depressed, I loved to sleep. <laughs> so, um, you know, just you, you find that if you pick an area um, that as you, you check an item off in your list, and that's where taking inventory and journaling comes in handy, uh, you find that you start building momentum. And rather, you know, all of a sudden you've got sleep, uh, you're moving in the right direction, and then you start tweaking your diet and you start making these gradual changes and and yes you just develop this momentum and the more momentum you develop the the better you feel and 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 that negative spiral that you were in you notice it starts changing and it takes time but the uh, positive change begets more positive change and and that cycle keeps moving up and you get more energy as a result and uh, you may start off exercising and you can, let's say if you're walking, you can only walk a quarter of a kilometer and then you are up to a, a kilometer in a month. It, it, it It's a cycle that reinforces itself, but you just start somewhere, keep it simple, and um, you definitely will get there. Okay, so... And is, I didn't answer your second question. Sorry, go on, go on, go on. Yep, yep. What was the second question? I um, apologize. Uh, sorry, no. I think you actually answered what I what I asked. So, okay. Um, what 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 do you feel we haven't covered yet? Um, I just personally want people to know that have depression that um, it's a uh, a balance between working with. Uh, a clinical professional, it could be a counselor, it could be a psychologist, or it could be a psychiatrist. You have to find the right person to work with you. But I feel it's important to have a person on your side uh, to be there uh, to work with you as you uh, embark on, on this. And and um, everything should be in, in harmony. And uh, I don't think I would be where I am today with if it wasn't for the help of my psychiatrist who helped me. And um, so I would strongly recommend that. And then um, just realize that ultimately, though, the decision to feel better belongs to you and you, myself, are res uh, responsible there. And it definitely can happen. Um, even the people that aren't clinically depressed, uh, that just maybe feel unhappy, um, they they can apply the same principles and turn uh, that situation around by making the changes that we discussed. It's doable. Um, uh, the psychiatrist that I see, 
uh, has talked about a few of the other patients uh, in in the practice and that have uh, done similar things to what I've done, um, and and he's seen the same results. There there is a um, author uh, that wrote a book called The Depression Cure. Um, he's actually uh, clinically um, done studies that show the principles that we discussed, Kristen, uh, do work. Uh, so on a mass scale, um, the, the items that we talked about definitely contribute towards uh, reversing the diagnosis of depression. All right. I just thought of a question, and I'm, and, and I'm bummed I didn't think about it before because you, you well, said really nice, almost closing remarks, but I'm still going to butcher the, the, the sequence of the interview <laughs> <laughs> because it's something that's actually dear to my heart, and we discussed it before we started taping, um, but it's this issue of, of like specific male males and suicide, and now you told me that women are sadly fastly catching up however i still want to ask you do you feel that there is anything that's very you know pressures for example that are particular to men that maybe women don't have because we as women we have pressures that i feel you have less of you know so so which are the male pressures that you feel like might contribute to for at least for years or even decades that men have traditionally killed themselves more often than women um, this is a little bit outside my area of, of, of research, but I will say that um, many males uh, traditionally, uh, and, and I know in, in my case, the household that I grew up in, um, we were taught to internalize uh, things. And uh, so when there was something that was troubling, uh, you just didn't talk to anybody. And, and I think that's the reason why um, a lot of men, uh, and I would suspect in some ways uh, women as well, resist uh, going to uh, counseling or, or getting um, professional help. Um, as, as such, when a person is depressed and they um, internalize things and, and they don't talk about them and keep them to themselves, what, what happens is that their frame of reference is so skewed from reality and, and um, what they see versus what is actually happening are two different things. And so when you are um, in this, this mode, your internal dialogue is such that you feel that you have no options and, and um, the reality is, is totally different. And, and this, this, because this dialogue isn't subjected to uh, any external, um, um, let's say, um, you're, you're, you're not getting help from a professional, you're not talking to uh, your, your better half, so to speak, of, about this, or a friend, uh, you come up with these um, uh, skewed uh, versions of reality that you feel like you can't escape, and ultimately, you may end up at a place where you say, I have no other option but to commit suicide. Uh, I don't see any way out. And in my case, that's what happened. Uh, and and um, I, so I think males possibly may just uh, internalize and, and, and that will ult ultimately lead to this uh, uh, basically feeling like they have no other choice but to uh, commit suicide. You know, it's one th one thing that I find 
actually, um, I, I think it's wrong, but 80% of the people with depression get their prescriptions for an antidepressant from a physician or healthcare pr- practitioner, could be a nurse practitioner, physician assistant. Uh, these are non um, uh, psychiatry uh, professionals. Uh, they're, they're general medicine, internal medicine. Uh, 80%. So these are people that are being treated for depression and they're not even being seen or tested by a uh, professional that specializes in uh, psychology or psychiatry. And and I think that that is where a lot of this starts. Um, if a person has uh, depressive episodes enough to where they recognize it and they think that they need help, they should not be uh, seeing a a general practitioner for that, that they should seek uh, professional help, someone that specializes in uh, affairs of the mind. All right. Yeah, that's a good point. So where can people find out more about you and your book? Well, the website is crashburnthrive.com, and that is also the name of the book. And uh, my contact uh, information is at that website. And I would love uh, for people to contact me if they have any questions. Uh, uh, My sole purpose is to let people know that there is a way out and there is a way to beat this. Okay. Thanks very much, Doug. Thank you very much. Well, thank you, Kristen. I I really appreciate uh, what you do. And... I want you to know uh, what an impact that you've had on myself personally. So thank you. Thanks, Doug. All right. So I hope this nicely complements the previous depression episode I did where I talked about my story and that with this, you first of all got another view of how depression was specifically for Doug, but also um, a few new approaches that he talked about that I didn't mention at all. Now, Let's get to the reviews. Let's check them out. There's still a couple of them that I haven't read to you, and I would like to do that. Need an energy boost? Listen to this. By Carrie G. from the USA, and it says, This is one of the best podcasts out there. Kristen shares inspiring, actionable content to help you live your best life. What makes Kristen shine in a sea of podcasters is that she's authentic and is truly talking about something she's passionate about. I'm so happy I stumbled upon this podcast. And I actually got to meet Carrie over Skype, um, and she interviewed me as well. And um, yeah, so thanks a lot, Carrie, for that review. It took me embarrassingly long to figure out what that was because I somehow read the whole thing as Carrie Gu. And um, yeah, but (laughs) it's actually quite obvious. And I'm looking forward to talking to you. And for all the runners out there, if you want to dig into a podcast that doesn't just cover the obvious, and with the obvious, I mean, um, listen to famous runners and how to get faster, but also looks at more holistic things and also some things which you wouldn't necessarily connect with running like art or storytelling, uh, then dig into the running lifestyle show. Then this is from Phil, and it says, Thank you for the excellent podcast. I started with the first episode, and I'm looking forward to seeing how things develop in line with the growth mindset that you speak of at the beginning of the second episode. 
here again um in the meantime i have uh, exchanged a lot of emails with phil phil thank you so much um i just wanted to publicly acknowledge what a great um what great support you give me with brainwash and the podcast and as far as i can tell this generous this generous way of being is just how you are so i really hope that we can have coffee one day in japan or canada or somewhere else then we have a review from ashley and she said, I love your podcast. I started listening at episode one, although you are currently at 82. I listen when I walk and share the advice with friends and family and recommend they listen too. Hey, thanks a lot, Ashley, for sharing the podcast. It's lovely to, you know, be able to change one person's life. But it's truly powerful if we can transform other people we love as well. So, you know, thank you very much for sharing it and hopefully one or two of the people you share it with can also benefit the way that you have. Okay, so talk to you soon. Next time we'll talk to badass adventurer Susie Match. Stay tuned for that. Take care. Bye-bye. Who wants to listen to that soundtrack every morning? Learn to block out the crap inside and out. Become aware of the things. Big and small. That sap the life out of you. Turn your commute into time. You spend with a person you can never escape. No matter how hard you try. Since you and your mind have to hang out all the time, why not become friends first and lovers eventually? Make 2017 the year of peace in your skull-sized kingdom. Gum.co slash brainwash. Thanks for listening to the Positive Psychology Podcast. We're saying goodbye with Happy Yogurt.